Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. In Parshas Achremois and in Parshas Kedoshim, the two previous Parshias, the Torah spends quite a bit of time on the subject of Arayos, on the forbidden relationships between men and women. This week, Parshas Emor, for the most part, the Torah moves to another subject. The Torah moves to the rules and regulations that govern Kohanim, special halachas that only apply to Kohanim. However, at the end of the parsha, the Torah does, to a certain extent, return to the subject of Arayas. It says in Perak Chavdalet, Pasuk Yud and Yud Aleph, as follows, ben Ishi Yisraelis, a, the son of a Jewish woman, went out, <clears throat> ben Ish Mitzri, and he was the son of an Egyptian man, so this is a son of of a Jewish woman and an Egyptian man. I'm skipping a few words. And he cursed Hashem. He specified Hashem's name and cursed, etc. The name of his mother, that Jewish woman who was mentioned at the beginning of the Pasuk, was Shlemis, the daughter of Divri. Rashi comments, on these words, that the name of his mother was Shlemis Basdivri, says Rashi, Shivchan Shal Yisrael, Shapirsam Hakos of Lazai. It is the praise of Klal Yisrael that the Torah publicizes the name of this woman, that this particular woman had had relations with an Egyptian man, Loimar. So that's actually a praise of Klal Yisrael, because the Pasik is saying, says Rashi, Shehi Levado Haisa only she was immoral in that way. The question of exactly how and why Shlomis Basdivri fell into this trap of Arayas is for another time. Rashi in another place says that she was not entirely at fault. She did not do this act entirely of her own free will, although she did have certain poor character traits which led her into her mistake. That's for another time. The question that I would like to raise is, is that it's quite remarkable that the whole Jewish nation, which stayed in Mitzrayim for 210 years, was able to keep themselves away from sexual immorality. Now, this is a very difficult prohibition to to stay away from. In in uh, Parshas, uh, in, in Sefer Devorim, Perik Yud Beis Chav Hei, Rashi quotes a Mishnah in Makos, and he says that he calls Gezel Varayas. He refers to the two sins of stealing and Arayas, and he says, Adam It is natural for a person's soul to lust after those sins. We find also in Parshas Baaleischa that there, the people were complaining about the Mun. Exactly what was so bad about the Mun? Perhaps we'll wait till we come to Parshas Baaleischa to find out what possibly 
what possible complaint one could have. But the people were complaining about the mon. And the Pasuk says over there, Vayishma Moshe Esa'om, Moshe heard the people, Boiche Lemishbechoisov. They were crying in their families. Ish Lefesach Oholoi. So Rashi there says that the simple pshat is, Mishpachis Mishpachis Nesafim Uvoichem. That each Mishpacha gathered together and they were crying, Lefarsim Tarumason Begoli, in order to publicize their complaints openly. That's what it means they were crying to their families. But then Rashi quotes Rabbi Senu, he quotes our rabbis in the Midrash that says that what does it mean the Mishpachosov? Al iskate Mishpachos. They were crying about matters of families. Al Arayos Hanesorais Lahem. They were crying about the Arayos that had recently become Osir to them. When Hashem gave the Torah in Har Sinai, so then there were many different uh, family relations that suddenly became Osir to marry them. And the people were crying about that. It bothered them very much. The Rambam, in Hilchas Isure Bia, says the following, related to that Pasuk. There is nothing, there is no thing in the whole Torah that is as difficult for most of the people to refrain from. The hardest thing for most people to separate themselves from, the hardest sin, is the sin of Arayos. Amru Chachamim, and the Rambam says that the Chachamim said, Yisrael al at the time, at the moment, when Klal Yisrael was commanded regarding the Arayos, they complained and they accepted this mitzvah, but they accepted it with complaints and crying. Shenemar, as it says, they were crying to their families, meaning al iske mishpachis. They were crying about their families. They were crying, "Oh, I can't marry my sister now. I can't marry my son's wife," and so on. It bothered them. The Rambam continues. He says that you will not find a kahal. You will not find a community of Jews becholz man at any time she'ain behen prutzin biarayas that there are not some people who are. Uh, break through and uh, transgress the prohibition of Arias. Parenthetically, we can say that the Rambam source is our Pasuk about Shloimis Basdivri. Because if you think about it, the only generation about which there is a testimony from Chazal that no one transgressed the prohibition of Arias, the only such generation is the Dor HaMidbar, is the generation of Jews who, who went through the Midbar, the generation of Shlemish Basdivri. And yet, there was one woman who did transgress the prohibition of Arias. So from there, it would seem, is a very good source for the Rambam, that there's no such thing as a community that can boast that not even one person uh, f- transgressed the prohibition of Arias. So the prohibition of Arayos is a very big challenge, and it is not at all common. As a matter of fact, the Rambam says it's not possible that in any generation, uh, any generation could be entirely clean of that sin. And therefore it is 
very difficult to understand how it is that the Klal Yisrael in the Midbar were able to do this. Now, the fact is that they were not such big tzaddikim in Mitzrayim, not the generation of the Midbar, but the, the Jews that were in Mitzrayim. We were not so righteous when we were in Mitzrayim. It says in the Psukim in Parshish B'Shalach, when we were approaching the Yamsuf, it says, Vayisa Malacha Elokim, Yisrael, the angel of God, which went, which walked in front of the Jewish camp, it went, and it went behind them in order to protect the Jews from the Mitzrayim who were running, from, attacking them from behind. Now Rashi says, Rashi notes on that Pasuk that it says, Malach Hu Elokim, the angel of Elokim. Rashi says, In all other places, we find that a Malach is referred to as the Malach of Yudke Vavke, which always refers to Hashem's Mida of Rachemim. And yet here, Rashi points out, it says, Malach Elokim. It was the angel of Elokim. It says, Rashi in Elokim Bechomokim Eladin. The, the name Elokim always refers to the Midas Adin, to Hashem's Midah of strict justice and punishment if necessary. So why over here is the Malach referred to as Malach Elokim? Malamed Shehoyo Yisrael Nesunim Badin Rashi says this teaches us that the Jews were on the... They were being accused. They were being prosecuted at that moment. Im if they should be saved, or if they should be destroyed together with the Egyptians. So, it sounds like they were not tzaddikim. Hashem had to carefully consider whether he should destroy Kal Yisrael together with the Egyptians, or if he should save them. So how could such a group, uh, how could such a group achieve this amazing achievement that none of them except one woman engaged in Arias. It is appropriate here to introduce two pieces of advice to those who are studying Rashi, particularly in regards to Rashi's use of Gemara and Medrash. The first piece of advice is that when Rashi tells us something which comes from a piece of Gemara or Medrash, one should look at it as if it is Rashi's, as if they are Rashi's own words and own ideas. What do I mean? Because Mepharshim explain that when Rashi quotes a Gemara or a Midrash, he is not necessarily, oftentimes not, quoting it in the same context as the Gemara or Midrash themselves. Rashi has his own reasons for saying what he says. The Midrash and the Gemara say many different things which are true, which are part of the Torah. They may not be the simple meaning of the words in a Pusik. When Rashi quotes them, he's quoting them in his way because he sees that they are, in this particular instance, the simple meaning of the words in the Pusik. And often Rashi changes the Gemara in Medrash slightly, or he uses them in a slightly different sense. An interesting thing is pointed out by the Sefer Midayek HaRashi, which I quoted last week, that Sefer. 
The Gemara says that Kol Hamevi Dover B'Shem Oimrei Mevi Geula La'Olam. Whoever quotes a rabbi by name, whoever attributes the sources of what he says, Mevi Geula La'Olam, he is he brings redemption into the world. What exactly is the connection between those two things? Is not my topic now. But the Gemara says it's very praiseworthy to always attribute one's sources. And yet we find all over Rashi's commentary on the Torah that he does not attribute his sources. He says all kinds of things which we know really came out of the Gemara and the Midrash, and very rarely does Rashi tell us which Gemara or which Midrash or which rabbi said them. The later Mephoshim went through Rashi and told us where to look in the Gemara and Midrash to find the source of Rashi's words. Some of the printers and publishers made footnotes or parentheses to tell us the sources of Rashi's words. But it's puzzling. Why didn't Rashi do that? Didn't Rashi know that by attributing one's sources, one is bringing redemption into the world? So the Sefer Medayek Rashi says that the reason Rashi didn't tell us his source is because he doesn't mean to be quoting the Gemara or the Midrash exactly in the same sense that they made it, that they said it in the first place. He may have a different reason for quoting their words in a certain place, and he may have a slightly different uh, understanding of their words than how they were originally meant. Because Rashi is concerned entirely with Pshute Shulmikra. What is the simple meaning of the Pasik? Whereas Chazal had other concerns. Of course, they're concerned with the truth, but not all truth is, con- is contained in Pshute Shulmikra. There are other uh, facets in a Pasik, deeper facets, Kabbalistic facets, Drush facets. There are many different angles to every Pasik. They may be, many of the things they say are part of those worlds of interpretation. Rashi, when he quotes them, he's only quoting them in the world of Pshutashal Mikra. As such, it really has a somewhat different meaning, and therefore Rashi does not attribute his sources. That's one side of the coin. In other words, one needs to look at what Rashi says in Rashi and in the Pasuk and not necessarily go back to the Gemara and figure out what the Gemara means by these words and say that Rashi means the same thing. They may very well mean slightly different things or even very different things. But on the other hand, it certainly does behoove us that if we are studying a Rashi whose words come from the Gemara or the Midrash, that we should go and take a look at the Midrash and see what is the context. In this case, Rashi's words about Shlomus Bas Divri come from the Midrash Vayikra Rabbah, Perak Lamed Beis, Paragraph Hey. Let's take a look at the Midrash. Rav Huna Omer B'Shem Bar Kapora B'Shviel Arboad Varum Nigalu Yisrael Mitzrayim It is in the merit of four things that the Jews were redeemed from Mitzrayim. Number one, Shalashinu Eshemom. They did not change their names. They retained their Hebrew names throughout their 210 years in Mitzrayim. The Eslashinom, and they also did not change their language, their Hebrew language they retained. 
They were certainly there long enough to have learned Egyptian, and they may have spoken Egyptian also, but they retained their Hebrew language. Number three, they did not say Lashen Hora, they did not say negative things about each other. Number four, and it was not found amongst them even one person. That was Porutz Be'erva that had transgressed the prohibition of Arias. Now the Medrash there uh, brings proof, brings support to each one of these things. And the source for the fourth one, that they did not stumble in the prohibition of Arias, is as follows. You should know, that it was like this, that they did not transgress Arayis. There was one woman who did falter in this respect. And the Torah publicizes her. The Torah points her out as being the only one. Shinemar, as it says in our Pasik, Beshem Imai Shlemis Bas Divri. And the name of his mother was Shlemis, the daughter of Divri. I think if we examine these four things, we will see that there is a common denominator amongst them, of all of them. They all were, in my opinion, designed to to be shomer, to guard the the uniqueness and the and the identity, the Jewish uniqueness and identity and and unity of the Bnei Yisrael in Mitzrayim. The purpose of all of them was that the Jews should be one. They should be one in the sense that they should be different. They should be one nation, one outstanding nation that was very different than Mitzrayim. And they should be one nation in the sense that they should be together as one. Let's examine the first three. Shalashinu Eshmam We'll look at the first two together. They did not change their Hebrew names. They did not change their Hebrew language. So that's obvious that that was the intent of these two uh, stubborn acts of not changing their name or their language, to retain their Jewish identity and to foster Jewish unity. The third one, that they did not speak Lush and Hara about each other, it would appear that it's not because they understood Kedusha Salashin, they understood the sanctity of speech, they understood all of the uh, profound ideas about the, profound, about the sanctity of speech that are discussed by the Chafetz Chaim and his Svarim. The truth is they were not on such a level. But what I think it means is that they did not tattle on each other, meaning they understood that they are a separate nation, separate from the Egyptians, and therefore they must not they must not be mulshin, they must tattle, must not tattle one on the other. And in fact the Medrash says the following words Amru Hara, they did not speak Lashin Hara, Shanemar, as it says, Daber no was ordered by Hashem to speak to the people 
that when they leave Mitzrayim, they should go to their Egyptians, Egyptian neighbors and they should borrow gold and silver and all kinds of expensive things and take them out of Mitzrayim. So the Medrash says, You find that this thing, this plan, was Mufgad Etzlan, it was held by them like a Pikadin, it was held like by them like a pledge that that to be guarded for twelve months, Vulehilshin Echod Al and not one person tattled on his friend. Meaning they were very particular about maintaining their unity as one nation. Those are the first three things. Now let's look at the last one that they did not uh, allow themselves to transgress the prohibition of Arias. It would appear that here also, it's not because they were so holy and so spiritual that they did not uh, allow themselves to fall into that physically pleasing sin, that does not seem to be the idea, because really, they were not on a very high spiritual level. But rather, the reason that they avoided Arayos is because they wanted, at all costs, to maintain their unique Jewish identity. And as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, there's only one way that a Jew can become not a Jew. The truth is, The Jew himself cannot become not a Jew. But there's one way that at least he can cause that Jewish identity should stop with him and not be transmitted to his children. And that is through Arias. We know that a Bo al-Hanochris, a person who has relations with a non-Jewish woman, Vlada Kemoisa. The halacha is the child born from such a union is like her. He's a non-Jew like the mother. And this child born from such a union is no longer a Jew, does not have a Jewish identity. Even when a non-Jewish man will have relations with a Jewish woman, in which case that child is a Jew. However, the Gemara says that such a child is pogum. There's a fault with that child. What's the fault? The fault is there's something unseemly, something un unwholesome about the child's Jewish identity. Furthermore, Ranban, in this parsha of Shlemus Basdivri, says, in the name of the Chachmei Tzarfas, in the name of the French rabbis, the greatest of all French rabbis, was Rashi. And he quotes an opinion of the French rabbis that before Matan Torah, the halacha was that a non-Jew who had relations with a Jewish woman, Havlad Nochri, the child actually would be a non-Jew. And so too the commentator Chiskuni says this idea and puts it into Rashi. He says that Rashi holds like this. So in fact, uh, according to that, uh, this uh, son of Shlemus Basdivri actually was not a Jew. He may have converted, he may have become a Jew, but the fact that his mother had relations with a non-Jewish man, according to this, he was not Jewish at all. In any case, through a rayos, one can spoil the Jewish identity of one's children. Also, if a person has relations 
with Sher Besore, with one of his very close female relatives, a sister, a wife of a son, a sister-in-law, etc. So the halacha is Havlad Mamzer. The child is a Mamzer. And a Mamzer is certainly lacking somewhat in his Jewish identity, because we see he may not marry a regular Jew. And it would seem that this is why the Jews in Mitzrayim were so careful about this one Avera of Arias. Other things, very serious Averas, such as idolatry and probably uh, stealing, and who knows what kind of Averas, they were not on a particularly high spiritual level. But Arias, they kept very carefully, except for one woman who made a mistake, because they understood that their one great task, their one great endeavor, with, with, in which they must succeed in their exile in Mitzrayim, was to retain their Jewish identity so that when the redemption comes, they will be that people to whom redemption was promised. They will be the Jewish nation. They will be Yisraelim. And that would appear to be why they were able to uh, to 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 avoid the prohibition of Arias, even though their general spiritual level was quite low during that time. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph, author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash minagainbemore.